This is the Get Up Eight Podcast with your host, Eric Hodgson. Hey, Eric, have you got a few minutes? I really need to talk to you about something that's going on. This is what my daughter's friend Christine asked me about two weeks ago. And so when I called her, she was just sobbing as soon as she picked up the phone. And it turns out that she was coming off the fifth funeral of a friend who had taken their life in the last four years. And she wanted to know why this keeps happening to people that she cares about. And as you can imagine, it's difficult to receive a call like that. But more importantly, if and when you do receive a call like that from someone, you may ask yourself, well, what do I need to do with this? Because I, I don't know what they're needing from me right now. Do they need me to be a guide? Do they need me to be a beacon? Do they need me to hold space for them and just kind of walk through this with them? Sometimes it's just one of these support systems that's needed, but other times it's a mixture of both. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Get Up 8 podcast, where we unpack the challenges and struggles that come at us in life, and we find unique ways for you to build resilience, to not just survive your struggles, but to thrive because of them. So what is the difference between holding space and being a beacon? For me, holding space means that you walk along with somebody without judgment, sharing their journey and you go with them to an unknown destination. Basically, you're walking with them when and where they need you to do that for them. But what is a beacon? Now, a beacon is typically somebody who's a guide. If you think about a beacon as being a lighthouse, um, it, it guides ships to shore so that they know they can get there safely. Now, a good leader or somebody that is a good friend or good leader, they, sh- they know the way, they go the way. And more impos- most importantly, they show the way. And so in the case of Christine, she was needing both levels of support, not only to see that there are beacons for her when needed, but also that when we have people hold space for us, it, it allows us to figure things out. So I told Christine, look, I know this is tough, sweetie. And while I can't walk this path for you, I will walk it with you. And she loved that this was available to her if and when it was needed. And and we ended up the conversation with her coming up with her own plan of, of how she was going to move and keep moving forward. So when I thought about this topic, I wanted to go further than just a simple social media post. And I know we can do that, but I really wanted to dive in with someone that understands this on a visceral level. And so today with me is a man who embodies leadership, strength, and really works in the service of others. He's a thought leader in the space of finding purpose and building relationships, and I'm really excited to have Connor Beaton with us today on the podcast. Welcome, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, man. I really appreciate that. And Connor, I just really really want to dive in here on this topic because so many of us find ourselves needing support at various times in our life, no matter what it is that is requiring that. And I know I needed it when I was going through the loss of Zoe four years ago. And I'd love for you to share how you found this incredible tool for support in terms of holding space for somebody and wanted to know if there was a pivotal moment in your life when you needed a beacon and or someone to hold space for you. 
Mm, yeah, I mean, there was definitely, there's definitely been a few times in my life where that has been required. And, you know, I think just before diving in, I just want to say that there's, there's always a pain in our purpose, or there's always a purpose in our pain. And, and sometimes we can't see that. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. And I think that that's usually the biggest challenge that most people face from what mm-hmm. I've seen with the people that I've worked through, worked with that have gone through massive amounts of, you know, pain, whether it's past trauma and their childhood or abuse or divorce or whatever, whatever loss, you know, it could be as simple as like their business falling apart mm-hmm. and them having to sort of restart in life. So, you know, there, there's always a purpose to our pain, always. Mm. And I think the challenge that most people face is that when something painful happens in their life, it's easy to get stuck in the trap of trying to rationally figure it out. Like, why did this happen to me? And sometimes it just doesn't make sense rationally, but there's a mm-hmm. lesson that's there that's meant to be taught. So, um, you know, for myself, I went through a very challenging time in my life where where it, from the outside, it looked like I had it all together. You know, I had this great career. I was traveling the world. I had a great partner. Um, you know, I was quote unquote successful from, from you know, certain avenues. And, and I think that when people looked at my life, it, it probably looked pretty great. You know, I had all the toys, the motorcycle, the cars and that <laughs> kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and I sort of was like living that traditional yet non-traditional life because my career was, was singing classical uh, music. So oh, that, wow. that was that was a little bit, a little bit out, out of the left field. So it wasn't like your traditional corporate job. Um, so from the outside, it looked great, right? Cause I like, here I was living like the artist dream. Um, but behind the scenes, it was really like, it felt like a really big facade. And I really had been struggling from like this imposter syndrome and I didn't feel like I deserved the success that I had. I didn't feel like I deserved the relationship that I had. And, um, you know, I had done a really good job of allowing self-sabotage to show up mm. and, I had created these uh, sort of unhealthy, toxic relationships that not many people knew about. Um, you know, their inf- infidelity was pretty rampant in my life, and and um, you know, and just creating and maintaining this this fake image of who I thought other mm. people wanted me to be. Right, to sort of have it all together, really, really strong. You know, really directional guy. Uh, who was in this perfect partnership, you know, like that perfect relationship that everybody wants to have and having this great career and traveling the world and living the life. And so I, I spent most of my time maintaining this image of what I thought other people wanted me to be. Mm. And the price that I paid for that was constantly feeling like I was a fake and like I was a fraud. And so behind the scenes, you know, there was, there was a lot of lies that I had to maintain in order to keep that up. And eventually all of that came crumbling down, right? The career started to fall apart. The relationship fell apart. My, uh, my sort of ways of being, how I had shown up in the past started to come out, uh, you know, with, with the woman that I was seeing at the time. And, and, I, and I sort of started to see everything that I had built crumble away. And, and slowly, uh, although maybe it wasn't that slowly, it probably happened within the span of like 30 days, um, but slowly, every, everything just sort of fell apart in my life. And I found myself, you know, in a, in a place of feeling like I had hit rock bottom. And I was, I had so much shame about the things I'd done, the, the person that I had been, the, the sort of lies that I had, had told people that, that I ended up retreating. And, and I saw that 
it, it's kind of counterintuitive, but I felt like my only option was to continue to do the thing that had got me there in the first place, to continue to lie, to continue to try and maintain this facade. Mm. And so yeah. I, I, I hid, I lived out of the back of my car for a few weeks and I just like refused to tell the truth about what was actually going on in my life because I didn't want people to, to judge me. Plus, I didn't know who I would be without that. You know, I didn't know who I would be without the, without the facade, without the mask. And what I found was when I came out the other side and I started telling the truth to people and, and I really allowed people to hear the struggles and the challenges that had been going on with me, the, you know, the battles with, with depression and, and whatnot that had been going on behind the scenes, I really realized that this was the truth of connection. Not that we always need to mm, share our right. deep suffering, but by not talking about those things, I never had really connected with people and I had never really uh, allowed them to see the totality of who I really was. And there was always this, this space there. And so for the first time in a few different conversations, you know, one, one with a therapist that I started to see and, and learn from, uh, two from a mentor of mine who had uh, worked and, and trained under Carl Jung in the very last days of his life. Um, and, and, and three, just through a few close friends, I started to open up and, and really start to understand what it was like to have somebody hold space for me mm. and start to understand what it was like for people to, in a non-judgmental way, really receive my truth and really see who I actually was and, and really hear the struggles that I had actually been through. And, and that was a total, like a radically different thing that I, that I hadn't experienced before. And I think that this is the thing for a lot of guys is that we feel like, and, and probably for a lot of women too, but we feel like we have to sort of suffer through our, our own uh, dysfunction and pain uh, in silence because we need to figure it out by ourselves. Right. And if we don't figure it out by ourselves, then we're even more broken than we already feel like we are, you know? And so there's this like immense amount of shame of reaching out for help when it's actually, uh, the thing that, that we need the most often. Wow, man, that's really powerful. And I, I appreciate you going back and telling us the story of kind of how you found this way, this journey and, uh, the path really, because, that's what I believe people are faced with today is, is, is similarly, they're trying to figure out, you know, what's working, what's not working in my life. Am I, am I really being truthful to my life path, my purpose, or am I, am I just kind of faking my way through it? And so for you to have that, uh, that moment, that pivotal moment in your life where you, you saw that, okay, look, me being a fake and, and, and that image of myself really isn't what I am. And then coming to to the, the 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 that fork in the road where you said, you know what, maybe this maybe this is another way for me to actually connect with people and just tell them what's going on really in my life, and and that's where I feel that uh, purpose can be found. You know, when we start to really talk about our truth, when we really start to dig in on our truth, we find so much strength there. The gold is there as I like to say. And, and, and when I had that conversation with Christine a couple weeks ago, she was incredibly open and vulnerable. And she just knew that it was something that she wanted to talk about because if she didn't, and if she didn't continue her movement forward, then she would be struggling. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that struggle that you were going through 
but more importantly, that you found this new path and this light when you found that other people were holding space for you. Did that just change your whole outlook on human connections? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the things that we often forget and and in these moments of connection we start to realize is that the avoidance of suffering is ultimate suffering. Mm. You know, it is the deepest form of suffering. When we are avoiding the things that are causing causing us pain, that avoidance is is actually the recreation of that cycle. It allows us to stay stuck in that cycle. So you know, if we are feel like imposters in, imposters in our career or in our relationship, or you know, we're suffering because we've experienced loss, or you know, uh, we, we have we have something that's fallen apart in our life, and we're avoiding talking about it. Those things are inevitably when we when we avoid them, they inevitably grow stronger because they don't they don't go anywhere, right? The the emotion. And, and the feelings that we have of the sadness, of the pain, they have nowhere to go. Mm. They have no release to them. Right. And so they just stay there and they start to manifest and they start to become stronger and stronger and stronger. And it actually creates more and more suffering. And so wow. what I started to find was when I started to connect with people and, and actually talk about the, the ways in which I had been suffering or struggling or, uh, you know, really just not, not living the life or being the person that I wanted to be. Um, I started to find that it, it did two things. One, it started to relieve some of that suffering, mm. not because I was a victim about it, not because I was like, oh, woe is me. And, you know, and I sat in that space for years and years and decades on end, but because I actually found people who deserved and had earned my vulnerability. And this is an important point that I want to make. Not everybody has earned the right to witness your vulnerability. Mm. Not everyone has earned the right to witness your suffering. You know, there, there are certain people in our lives that, that we should share those things with and connect with and, you know, mentors and, and colleagues and friends and family members that really have a place in our lives where they're, we know that they're by our side. And, and then, you know, there's other people who maybe can't receive it. There's other people who maybe uh, haven't haven't been in our life in a space where where we feel comfortable with sharing some mm -hmm. of those pieces with them. So finding those people are are important, and and just notice that that's not a that's not a permission slip to not share your suffering. <laughs> right. <laughs> All I'm saying is that our vulnerability, um, you know, deserves to be respected and honored. Um, so there's that, and and then the second part is I started to realize that when other people would really witness what I was going through and they'd hold space for me. It oftentimes um, gave them permission. It was like a permission card for their own vulnerability to come forward as well. And for them to express a part of themselves that maybe I hadn't seen before. So a perfect example of this is, you know, I, I had a conversation with one of my, one of my close friends at the time that I'd gone through university with, and I had known this guy for quite a few years, like close to a decade and we were having a conversation and I basically just started laying all the table, all the cards out on the table and said, you know, this is what I've been going through. This is the struggle that I've been facing. And, and here's how I haven't been honest with you. Here's how I haven't been truthful with you about who I am and what I've been dealing with. And at the end of me sort of pouring out, you know, my, my, uh, heart, I guess you could say, and at the end of it, at the end of me sort of pouring out this experience, 
there was this very like long silence and it seemed that he was processing something internally like he was at first i thought he was looking for the answer of what to say to me right you know how to how to comfort me and and then when he started speaking i realized it wasn't any of those things it's that my openness and my willingness to be seen by him had given him permission to share his truth and mm. and he proceeded to tell me that um you know a month before a month and a half before that he had tried to take his own life mm. and that he had tried to hang himself wow. and that he was he hadn't told anybody that and and so here i was in this moment where i was like how is it that you know everything about me except for the most important parts and i know everything about you except for this seemingly like crucial detail about your life and the fact that you have been you know silently suffering behind the scenes to the point where you actually contemplated suicide and 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 tried it but but you know we don't we've never talked about any of these things and i realized that so many people go through their life trying to fix their their own problems trying to uh, hold space for themselves, trying to witness themselves. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of openness and vulnerability for other people to see us uh, and, and believe in us in, in times where maybe we can't believe in ourselves in that way. Yeah, that's that's so very well said. And, and I want to touch on something that you talked about in terms of the vulnerability, Connor, because it's really, really important. Um, and it's important in everybody's life that we we are vulnerable with those that we that do hold space for us and and it's not you're not dumping on somebody uh you are you are telling your truth but it creates connection it creates trust it creates empathy and reciprocity like your friend did with you he told you something that he probably hasn't told very many people if at all so it's so strong that that uh, how much can actually come from this when you are vulnerable you know you find you locate yourself inside of the story and it's not so much that you're that somebody's telling the story uh to to get sympathy right they're telling it because mm-hmm. they want to help you in some way and and when you opened up to your friend and then he opened up to you it kind of takes a different approach to how you're looking at your own situation and and maybe in that moment you both held space for each other you know and mm-hmm. and you helped him get through that difficult time, even though you were there talking about uh, what you were dealing with too. So I love that, man. That's really, that's really strong. And that's a really good point about the vulnerability and openness with, with being, uh, with, with talking with friends. And mm-hmm. how often do you find yourself needing to hold space for people? <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like I have, you know, my life is now now doing that essentially <laughs> it's be, you know it's the like the, i don't know who said it i'm not too sure where the saying came from but somebody once said your mess becomes your message and oh, wow and, and you know you're and i i firmly believe that sometimes your pain becomes your purpose in yes. life and if if you let it if you actually let it mold you and shape you in a in a really healthy and positive way and that these these challenges and obstacles that we face in life uh, oftentimes shape us in such a dramatic and and um, you know very very real way that we can't help ourselves but but be moved in that trajectory, be sort of moved by that trajectory. Right. And and so you know I, I think that 
if we allow ourselves to find purpose in in these moments of you know the the trials and obstacles that we face internally or externally in our life we can we can start to move in that direction I've completely forgotten your question. So <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think that's great. I don't know if that answers it. <laughs> you touched on something kind of that I thought was really cool as well is that, you know, there is there is purpose in our pain. I when I lost Zoe four years ago, um, I that's when my purpose was revealed to me. And it, and I could never have imagined that it would be when I was 44 years old and uh, I, my life was on a different trajectory. I was trying to become a fitness and health coach. I've been in IT for 25 years. I was mm. kind of, I wouldn't say I was stumbling through life, but I was, I was doing the wash, the groundhog day effect, you know, get up, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to sleep, wash, rinse, repeat. But that's, that wasn't life. I knew there was something else out there. And then with this little, little, this tap on the shoulder, after losing Zoe and seeing how much her friends needed to have some guidance somewhere, you know, like what is going on here? Um, this, this is not cool. I'm 15 or 16. I don't know how to deal with this. Um, I, it was something that's like, well, nobody else is going to follow suit here. So we're in this together and we're going to get through it together. And yeah. each of us had our own chasms to cross in terms of uh, unknowns and fog and, and questions, but we were holding space for each other as time went by. And I loved, you know, they would call me and say, are you doing okay? And, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm doing okay. Actually, it's not easy. And, mm. um, you know, I'm just making peace with this, but how are you doing? And sometimes they said, I'm actually doing okay. Or sometimes they actually said, you know what? I'm not doing so well at all. They were being vulnerable. They were being open. And, yeah. and it was the creation of these, these, uh, relationships with Zoe's friends that um, I value today more than anything. It's like, it's almost like she, these are a gift that she left behind for, for me, you know, to connect with the people that she connected with. And, and I'm grateful for that. And hopefully there's an impact in their life where they find that uh, as they've gone through this process and they know that they can not just get through it, but actually come out of the other side of it and thrive in life and live their life because they're so young. They still have so much of life ahead of them uh, that that their purpose can be revealed maybe in the help of other people and whatever they decide to do in life. And they've had tremendous amount of pain at being such a young age. So uh, I just think that this that's a, a great way of putting that in terms of that. Yeah, I mean, pain, there is purpose in our pain and but I also believe that we have uh, it's our it's our birthright to live into our greater purpose and to not just mm. get up and go to work and come home and watch TV and go to bed and do that all over again the next day. There really is a, a reason for us to to be here. And until we know what our purpose is, um, that we can kind of wander around. And when you we're finding uh, when you found your purpose in terms of, you know, you stepped away from a, a, a relationship that wasn't that really that great. Uh, you, you, you were uh, studying or you were an opera singer or a singer of, and, and I don't know if you stepped away from that because it wasn't, if you felt that that was maybe a shadow career versus or a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, when, when did you really discover that your purpose was to be in the service of other people? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 
It was a very interesting journey. It was very, um, it, it took quite a while, you know, it's been, it's been several years since that sort of rock bottom moment, but you know, I, I did something sort of, uh, unique in the sense that when that moment happened and I started to see all these challenges, the part of me was changed. Part of me is transformed. And, and I started to see that, you know, a lot of guys were struggling in some way. And, you know, a lot of men that I knew were, were, were struggling, you know, silently behind the scenes, whether they were in a relationship that, that looked great from the outside, but wasn't so good behind the scenes or their, you know, their business, they would talk all high mighty about, but was actually, you know, three weeks away from going bankrupt. And, Mm. and so I started to really see the truth of what a lot of guys were facing, you know, trying to hold it all together and be this sort of, you know, strong man and play into these uh, archetypes that a lot of guys play into. Right, right. And, and I started to see myself in a lot of them. And I started to see the struggles that I had gone through in a lot of them. And it became, it really started to morph into my purpose. And I actually spent two years after my rock bottom moment um, where I decided intentionally that I was going to take two years to learn, study, understand myself, learn about you know human behavior and psychology and, and learn everything that I could from, from you know, psychologists like Carl Jung and you know, read as much philosophy as I possibly could. And so, you know, I spent two years not working intentionally and, and basically studying and studying under people who, you know, knew cognitive behavioral therapy and Jungian psychology and positive psychology and, and dedicated myself. At first, it was just an internal journey. You know, I was trying to understand myself. I was trying to understand why things had gone so awry for me because I didn't want to continue to repeat that cycle throughout my life. And at the end of the two years, you know, I realized that I actually really did want to be of service to other people. And I had no idea what that was going to look like at that time. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that it would turn into this international, you know, uh, <laughs> men's personal and professional development organization. I didn't know that it would look like that at that time. I just knew that I wanted to help people. Right. And, and so, you know, I started to learn about business. I went and worked at Apple. I, you know, I, I started my own uh, business on the side and it sort of grew organically from there as, as my, as my sort of side project. And, and so it really was this unfolding more of the, more of an unfolding, like this organic unfolding than this sort of like intentional, I'm going to be a life coach and I'm going to help people. And, you know, I'm going to go out there and, and build this multi-million dollar coaching business. And that's, that's not really like that was never my intention. My right, intention right. was just the pursuit of understanding my own pain, the pursuit of understanding my own purpose. And then when I started to find it and realize it, and I was like, holy crap, like I think I've figured some of these things out. And and my life feels joyful and amazing on a on a daily basis. And I get out of bed and I have what the Japanese call ikigai. Ikigai means the reason for getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> like, wow, I, like I have that, I you love know, that. And I like. I feel that that sort of like jazz of getting out of bed in the morning. It's like, I want other people to feel this way. Yes. And I want to bring other people along this journey because so many people are, are suffering in silence behind the scenes and they have these great lives and they've made the, you know, they've made the money in, in their professional life or in their company, but they still don't feel happy. And so, um, so I just started dedicating my time to that and, and really it was a, it was a, it was a long journey and it was probably five or six years from that rock bottom moment to really finding myself in a space of, of living, uh, living a life of service and living with purpose and living intentionally. And, 
And I, I just want to say, like, I, I think it would probably be beneficial to actually define very clearly what holding space is yes. and, and, maybe, and maybe then give my definition of purpose uh, after that. Is that, is it okay? Yeah, please do. Please. I, I was going to ask that. That was, you're reading my mind, man. <laughs> go ahead and ask. Go, that's the, that's the sign of a that. good interview, bro. Like that's, that's just the sign you're, you're, you're in sync here. Awesome. Um, so, you know, I think one of the things holding space gets tossed around so much, you know, and, and I actually wrote an article on this because I was doing a workshop and there was a, you know, a bunch of guys in there. And I asked the question, um, who here has heard of the term holding space? And pretty much all the hands went up in the room. And I said, great, who here can define what holding space is? And all the hands went down. And, <laughs> and there was like one person in the room. And he's like, uh, I think it's like listening. You just, you just listen and you give the other person space to talk. And I was like, okay, that's, that's a part of it. There's definitely one part of it. But for me, how I define holding space is simply the process of experiencing and witnessing somebody else's internal experience. So their emotions, their feelings, mm-hmm. their thoughts, witnessing that while simultaneously being able to understand what's going on in your own experience at the same time. And so holding space is this duality. It's not just you listening to somebody else you know, mindlessly. It is the process of understanding that what other people say actually has an impact on you right? and that what other people say is received by you. Because if you're just listening, you're only doing part of the work. right? So you need to be able to drop into your body. How do you feel when the other person is talking? Can you connect to the your own sadness? Because that's what compassion is, right? Compassion is really being able to fully understand somebody else's suffering. You know, that's compassion and empathy. When we have true empathy and compassion, it's because we have gone down the path of truly understanding somebody else's suffering. And that sometimes means that we feel it. You know, right. we feel moved by somebody else's pain. Yes, yes. We know that they must have gone through a, a tough experience. So that that's how I define holding space. And it's challenging for people at first because they have to have the self-awareness to understand what's happening within themselves while other people are sharing their experience. Exactly. I, I love that definition. And I have seen several definitions of holding space, like you mentioned. And, uh, and but the, the premise is there, though. The same premise is there, that that you're you're walking along with someone while they're taking their journey but you are still uh, on yours and your experiences can help them and the way i i talked about this even before i even understood i understood what what holding space was was a couple of years ago somebody asked me um you know how how are you able to walk right now how are you able to get back up after something like this because i don't think i can do that and i said well it's it's interesting that as I've come in contact with other people that have gone through deep loss or a deep struggle, um, I, I envision that I am back at step one of my journey where the road beneath me is, is not even defined. It's like a, a bunch of rocks and I have a bunch of weight on my shoulder and every step that I take, uh, is it's hard because the weight is there. And yet, as I take a step forward, I will probably fall, but I'm going to get back up. And But every step that I do actually make forward and get forward on, um, I, a little bit of that weight comes off my shoulder. And mm-hmm. the road beneath me gets a little bit more defined and stable. And as the road continues, as that path continues, uh, the weight 
continues to fall off because you're moving forward and 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 the road itself becomes a little bit wider and more stable before you know it you actually can see some sunlight off in the distance and mm-hmm. when it comes to working with other people holding space for them and my at that point well, I was defining it as as basically saying look I'm going to go back to that I'll go back to that step 1 with you because I know what you're, what's going to happen and I know you're going to fall but I'm going to help you get back up and I'm going to walk with you as you're going through that because I know exactly for the most part I know what you're feeling and thinking and and I want to be able to help you so that you know that that okay look I'm you're not alone you're not alone and and uh and so many ways that can be defined as 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 uh, holding space, but other people say, and I, like I was telling those kids at the school, hey, um, uh, I I don't know if I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but I spoke at a school a couple months ago, uh, sorry, a couple weeks ago, and uh, the last thing I said to them is that, you know, no matter what struggle you're going through in life, you know, we're in this together and we're going to get through it together. And mm. and I think that's kind of summed up what holding space was for them. And uh, I don't know if you feel that that would, that applies. Uh, What's your your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that, you know, I like your definition of, of walking beside someone, you know, because it, it does require in a sense um, us to really have an understanding of that person's experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like there's, there's psychologists who work with people who, you know, they, they have no idea. They've, They've never been through that person's experience, right? but they can still conceptualize it and they can still empathize with it. And, and I think, you know, what it really comes down to in, in, in some of these, in some of these spaces is that, you know, we, we need to allow ourselves to see other people in such a way that we remind them that they're, they're not to blame for what's happened. Right. But that they, but that they are responsible, mm-hmm. and and what I mean by that is that whatever's happened to them, whatever experience that they've had, it's just that, and and it's it's what's happened uh, to you in a sense, and because it's happened to you, it's happened in your life, whatever the circumstances are, that that you're not you're not to blame for what's happened necessarily, but you are responsible for how you choose yes. to be after that after that tragedy or after that problem or, you know, after that, that lesson, regardless of the actions that you've taken yeah. and, and that you, you just were where you were in those circumstances, regardless of whether the thing, um, you know, really was your action or was the action of, of life and the universe and this sort of like unknown game that plays. And so when we walk shoulder to shoulder with people, it, you know, it is our responsibility in some ways to help them see that, to help them take the blame off their shoulders. Cause so many people sit in the space of shame and guilt and they, they, they put on this backpack of shame and guilt and, and carry it around. And then they look for evidence and other weight to put in that backpack to really weigh themselves down. Right. Um, regardless of the circumstance, whether it's loss or failure. And so, um, that's a huge part of holding space. No, I, I think that's that's so true, and I appreciate you going deeper on that, Connor. Because it's and and when, as you were just talking, I was thinking about how yes, life can happen to us, and and uh, but I believe that there's also a reframing of a mindset that can help you move forward. And 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 what I've been talking about with some of Zoe's friends is that look, life can happen to you, but it's also happening for you 
to find your next step in life, whatever that may be. We struggle is inevitable. And it's, as Daniel Coyle says, it's a biological necessity. And without any struggle, how can we, how can we uh, learn? How can we grow? Um, a baby struggles as it's going through uh, the, the, the fetal stages of, 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 of uh, growth in the womb. Um, you know, uh, we, we struggle when we are uh, trying to learn how to walk for the first time or when we're trying to ride a bike for the first time or drive or even in relationships, right? We struggle sometimes as because we're, we're novices. We don't understand how the world works <laughs> in that way, uh, mm-hmm. but we learn. We struggle and we figure it out and we learn and hopefully we grow from that. Um, and I realize that there's some times when we get stuck uh, and we have to have some some guidance along the way, uh, which is where beacons can kind of come into place there and 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 help us and guide us in, in on the on another path. Uh, but um, I think that uh, the combination of both being a beacon and and holding space for people is is one of those things that um, you know and to understand that look struggle is going to come our way and mm-hmm. and as a beacon. Um, you know, again, if I go back to lighthouses and say, uh, that a lighthouse's purpose is to guide a ship to shore, uh, the, the ship is struggling, obviously, if it's needing to use that beacon, um, a ship is struggling to find shore without it getting destroyed on the rocks on the coast. And, and so if we embrace that struggle, if we find our way through that struggle to know that, okay, it's coming. You know, that it may be sunny out right now, but the storm clouds are going to be coming. And I know that if that's the case, either A, I'm going to need some support uh, or I'm going to be able to uh, have to support somebody else who's going through some stuff. Um, I find that uh, that that when we embrace that struggle, life can move forward in a much more um, uh, not, not controlled way, but less chaotic way. And, and more uh, structured and, and uh, stable. Uh, yeah, I mean, to this, you know, we're, we're talking about like laws of the universe in some ways. You know, we're talking about laws right. of nature. Every, every single transformation, every, every life requires tension. Life requires struggle. Yes. You know, a caterpillar doesn't turn into a butterfly without, you know, having some struggle of breaking free of the cocoon. An acorn doesn't turn into an oak tree mm-hmm. without having to break through from its shell. Like all, all of these things require uh, require struggle, just just in nature. And so to to think that we should be able to go through life without any form of struggle is just an illusion of the ego. It's right. the illusion of the brain. And the real question that people need to ask is what pain are you willing to live for? Mm. You know, what, what pain are you willing to live for in your career, in your love life, in your health, in your family? Because so many people, everybody wants something. Everybody wants something in their life and their career and their relationship. But so many people aren't willing to pay the actual price. And so they're stuck on the treadmill with the carrot just out of reach. And they never actually get to enjoy the fruits of their labor because they're not willing to pay the actual price. Like, look, healing requires suffering. It's just the way that it is. If, if you really want to move through the pain, if you really are willing and you're in a, and you're in a point where you're ready to get off the nail, 
and there's a there's a great parable of a, you know the the mailman delivering mail to the old guy sitting on the porch with the dog next to him, and the and the mailman's been delivering mail to the same guy over and over again for years for decades, and the old guy's always sitting in the rocking chair. He's always drinking his morning coffee whenever the mailman rolls up, and the mailman walks up. And for the past two mornings, when the mailman has walked up, there's his the 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 old man's dog has been laying beside him whimpering. And so finally on this morning, when the mailman walks up, he hands the old man his mail and he says, why is, why is the dog whimpering? Like, what's going on with him? Is he okay? And, and the old man says, well, he's been laying on a nail. And the old man says, well, well, why doesn't he just, why doesn't he, why doesn't he just move? Why doesn't he just lay somewhere else? And the old man says, well, I guess it's not painful enough yet. Mm, and so, wow. you know, for some people, they, they need to be able to, to identify and see the actual price of the pain that they that they're you know the actual price of the nail that they're sitting on and decide that it's painful enough for them to start to move through it mm. and that it's going to inevitably you know some people stay in the state of numbing out and they numb yes. out the pain and so they just take drugs and continue to lay on the nail or they drink or they you know play video games or watch hours and hours of Netflix and binge eat you know Miss Vicky's chips or something <laughs> and, and so and so they just numb out the pains so that can continue to lay on the nail because they realize that to get off the nail is going to require a little bit more pain and suffering because it's going to mm. hurt you know to move through it and, and so that's, that's really the question is what's the pain that you're willing to, to live for and that there, that there is inevitably a sense of purpose and functionality when you start to move towards the answer to that question. Wow. I, that's so strong. And I agree with you. Uh, I have a high aversion to pain <laughs> personally. Yeah. So when I lost Zoe, um, I didn't want to be in pain for an extended period of time. I didn't want to stay there. Uh, I didn't want to just survive and feel like the rest of my life was going to be about misery uh, mm-hmm. and 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 struggle. And yes, I miss her. I miss her daily. I think about her all the time. I know her friends think about her. Uh, and and but I've also been able to apply some of this thinking to my work. Uh, to when I when I was working a corporate job, um, to other relationships, to uh, so many ways where, like you said, the, you know, the, what's the what's the pain you're wi- willing to to pay for here? You know, what, how long are you going to stay on that nail? And at what point you'd be like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. I don't need to be here. And it becomes a choice to move off of that nail. And mm-hmm. like you said, you know, so many things can change in your life when that happens. And uh, Connor, I really. Uh, love this conversation, and uh, I really appreciate you coming in uh, to the podcast and talking about this topic. And uh, your your insights on holding space for someone is is uh, is just they're just incredible. So I want to thank you for that. And before we finish up here, uh, how can people get in touch with you? Do you have some events coming up? Um, what? How can people reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people can uh, check. Check me out at connorbeaton.com. Uh, they can follow along on Instagram. It's just connor.beaton or at man talks. Uh, I run that account as well. And um, you know, if they're if they're interested in doing some some one on one work, definitely reach out because I do a lot of working with people that have gone through you know loss or loss of purpose, especially uh, seems to be a big one. I help a lot yeah. of people find purpose or. Uh, you know, come come back after divorces or failed businesses and stuff like that. So that 
that seems to be my path uh, in the world. Uh, in in terms of events, there's there's definitely some some good events. We've got a big one uh, later on in the year in, in September called the Real Talk Summit. Um, there's some Man Talks events happening around North America, so you can check that out on, on uh, mantalks.com. And, and I'm going to be speaking at an event in Vancouver that I'm really excited about with a guy named Adam Roa, who you might mm. want to have on the podcast because he's he's a pretty incredible guy. And the event's called Permission to Think Freely. And it's going to be all about exactly that. How do, how do you find mindfulness on a, on a day-to-day basis? Thank you so much for letting us know. And I'll be sure and put that information in the show notes as well so that people awesome. can reach out if they if they definitely want to. Uh, Connor, thank you again for coming in. I hope to have you on again. Yeah, man. Thanks very much for, for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Same. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Get Up Bait podcast. My name is Eric Hodgson, and I invite you to go to erichodgson.com, where you can find great free resources to help you start thriving today. Also, be sure to check out my upcoming event in Boston this June, Get Up Bait Live. And don't forget to pick up your copy of A Sherpa Named Zoe, How to Walk Through Grief and Live with Intention. 